Welcome to the podcast of Revival Life Church, a spirit-filled multicultural church in Boca Raton, Florida. If you would like more information about Revival Life Church or Pastor Carl Thomas, you can find us on the web at revivallife.church. Finishing up our, uh, our Father Issue series. Uh, I have enjoyed it. Have you? Have you enjoyed our series? I think it's neat. If you like history, uh, you might have enjoyed it. Um, I'm into Jesus. I'm into the, oh, what are we at here? All right. We're going to have to kind of race through this to get you out of here on time. Uh, you know, <clears throat> I want to explain something. Uh, I, I, don't, um, <clears throat> I don't talk about this a lot, uh, but I feel like, you know, we grow in our faith. Amen? Amen. If, if you're not growing, you've dropped anchor. And, uh, the, you know, we talk about wanting to be in the river. The river is moving. And uh, we have to be mature enough to acknowledge when we change. And if you've uh, walked with me for a period of time, you've noticed uh, I have shifted uh, in many things in my life, uh, as I hope you have as well, as you've gotten older, you've had friends that are growing, and our understanding of God grows as we grow. And uh, there was a time that, um, and I'll talk about this a little bit later, but there was a time uh, that I could find no redeeming qualities in uh, Halloween. Uh, October 31st, whatever you want to call it. Today is historically All Saints Day, uh, November 1st. Amen. Thank you. And uh, All Saints Day is today. That's good. It's when we celebrate the believers who went before us, right? Um, I understand uh, some people came out of a very religious background, possibly, you know, maybe it was too religious, and so you kind of shun everything that seems religious, but not everything that was religified wasn't of God. Right, It started somewhere, and most of it started in faith. So today was All Saints Day yesterday, so of course uh, um, was, is what some people call All Hallows' Eve. And I had a hard time seeing any redemption in it uh, until I got a little mature. You know, I'm a first-generation believer, and uh, I, my family was running away from where we came from. And so for me, there was nothing good about Halloween. And so my family didn't participate in it for many, many years. <clears throat> and then... Um, once I had a little distance between me and the enemy, uh, I was not so worried about backsliding, if that makes sense. And uh, then I noticed, hey, the neighbors that I've been trying to meet show up at my house once a year. Why would I possibly not give their kids candy and say hello? Hello, right? I'm not, I'm not in fear that I'm going to become some sort of satanic worshiper. I'm not fearful that, you know, I'm going to put a pumpkin on my head and ride on a horse and, uh, uh, cap, you know, capture people. I don't plan on worshiping demons or anything like that. I feel like if you come out of maybe a, a background of witchcraft or, you know, before you got saved, if you come out of the dark arts, you may want to be separated from it. Right? That, that makes sense. Yeah? Um, and, and so, so I, my family, we, you know, we give out candy and we enjoy our neighbors and we don't do any of the dark stuff. I don't... I have a, a savior and he's the king of the spirit realm, so I don't need the, any other spirits in my life. Um, but I, I really enjoyed it last night. And so what I never thought I would do, I never thought we would have kids in costume on this weekend until a couple years ago. Uh, and I was just like, we were brainstorming, you know, what we could do. And I was like, you know, Sarah, why don't we do something like a fall festival or something? She's like, we can do that because we would never allow that in the, in the past. And, um, She's like, we could do that? I'm like, yeah. And so we would normally have a fall festival this weekend. Uh, we didn't do it this year because of the Rona. Um, if you think that's too careful, I'd rather be called too careful than reckless. So I'm okay with that. Um, and so here we are. Uh, I just want to give an explanation 
because I talked about it more than once, and uh, I know for you this, that may be old and unnecessary, but for some people, I feel a level of accountability is necessary. Is that good? Yeah. We've got to be able to explain where we're going. If you have any questions or if you have a disagreement with me uh, about that, um, after service, talk to Jesus, okay? So, uh, we are in our um, Father Issues message series, and if you're just joining us, um, we have a complex legacy because we have complex fathers. Natural fathers are complex. Even I have discovered through uh, the amazing wisdom of my children in their own heads that I have not been quite the perfect father, uh, or at least shall I say they have not perceived me as the perfect father that I actually have been. And so now they have father issues. And now I know one day they'll be sitting on a couch talking to somebody lying about me. Um, as some may think we've been lying about our fathers. If you remember the first week, we talked about William Seymour uh, from the Azusa Street Revival. I enjoyed that one. Amazing man of God who ushered in our modern Pentecostal era. Then we talked about Martin Luther. Travis taught us about, uh, you know, grace, uh, saved by faith through grace. Yeah, I got it right that time. I just keep always keep getting that backwards. Uh, then we talked about Jonathan Edwards uh, and how he helped shepherd in the great Awakening. I don't know if you've noticed this, the great Azusa Street Revival, the great Reformation, the great Awakening, and then a man who called himself great. Today we're talking about Constantine the Great. And uh, if you want a title like the Great One, I would encourage you, let other people title you. Most people who give themselves titles is just weird, right? Can we just be honest? It's just a little weird, right? Uh, you got to imagine maybe he was the originator of the rapper name, right? Constantine the Great. Uh, he was born 17, uh, excuse me, 272 to 274, right around there, until uh, 337 is uh, his age where he lived. So we're talking about um, the third and fourth century. We're talking about not long uh, after the first apostles. As a matter of fact, when we talk about Constantine the Great, uh, we're talking about his distance from the death of Jesus is about our distance from our Declaration of Independence, right? We're just not that great a distance, uh, not that far in between. And so people were still very attached to it. It's not like uh, the stories were lost in history at this point. It was still fresh. It was still new. I'm not confused about what happened around the birth of our nation, right? Uh, they weren't confused about what happened with Jesus, right? It just wasn't, and we have, there's all kind of mysteries for us, but for them, it wasn't, right? They, they lived in that era. Does that make sense? Okay, so I'm going to have to bring a teaching that I've brought every week since we've gathered together. You are representing seven people. I need you to be seven times more vocal as long as you have something positive to say, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, amen, amen. Yes, yeah, 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 amen. Amen. So again, we're talking about the fourth century here, and the church um, in this time, uh, before Constantine's reign, the church took on the teachings of Jesus, watch this, literally. Like, they believe he literally said what he meant, and they believed in literally living out his words. Um, the church at that time was marked by persecution, uh, as we... Uh, as we see near the end of the oldest writings in our New Testament, we see that there's great persecution that's happening. Uh, there's a lot of martyrdom that's happening. If you remember, uh, near the end of the writings of the New Testament and on, things got super, super ugly. 
Um, Nero would light his garden, which is like your area of entertainment out back, which was very, very large, you know, many, 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 many acres. He would uh, have parties uh, and light Christians on fire after they'd been dipped in oil to light his parties, and that was kind of an entertainment thing. Uh, the roads into Rome were lined with Christians uh, being martyred uh, as a testament to not cross Caesar. And, uh, and, and, and the Christians at that time, they still uh, they kept the Sabbath day. Uh, they still believed on worshiping Jesus on the Sabbath. Uh, and they kept it holy and did not work. And the main festival uh, for Christians was the Passover. Uh, the time of uh, passing over the sins of Israel as they left Egypt. And they remembered that Jesus is the true Passover lamb. And so they kept that celebration every year. Now, the Roman Empire at this time, and, and, and normally it had two sections to it, the east and the west. I guess it would be the east and the west for me, uh, the opposite for you. And there would be normally be a different monarch over each side uh, with one uh, tetrarch over them all, which was kind of a, a cabinet, so to speak, over the entire kingdom. Now, the Roman Empire ruled both half, but it was led by different Leaders. Now, there was Constantine, whose father had been a leader, and uh, he eventually went to Great Britain, raised up an army, and took over the western half of the Roman Empire. This is your history lesson for today. When you go to school this week, say, I'm good, I already went. All right, so you're good to go. Kind of like when they ask you if you want to give at Publix, and you're like, no, I gave at church, I'm good to go, thank you so much. Right. So uh, they ruled over. He uh, took over the western half of the kingdom and um, he decided he didn't want to submit to a group of people anymore. He wanted it all right. He wanted to rule the whole thing. So he got his army together. And um, it's important to know that Constantine, uh, most people back then were polytheists. Of course, you know, that means that they have more than one God. Right? They had lots of gods. They had gods for everything then. They had God for the sun and the moon and the stars. They had a God over food and a God over crops and a God over time. And they just had all kind of gods. And they just, you know, we're just going to cover all our bases and make sure all the gods are covered. And many of them worship many gods. Constantine was different in that he was a monotheist. He had one God. He worshipped uh, what he called the sun god. It was Sol Invictus is the name of his god which translates to the unconquered sun god. He believed that the god over the sun, the star that our planets orbit, uh, is, which is Sol, right, in Latin. Sol Invictus, Invictus meaning conqueror. Uh, the unconquered sun god was the god of his family. Are you following me so far, right? Are you with me? So he had a monotheistic god. He believed in the sun god. And as he was going out, uh, to conquer the eastern half of the kingdom. Uh, he had his army, and then he, according to legend, there's two ways this is told. I'll tell you the one. Uh, according to legend, uh, him and his army saw in the sky, there's kind of a famous painting of it here, um, he saw a burning cross above the sun. So there's his God. Above his God was the cross, to which you and I would say, Jesus Christ is the Lord of all lords, right? Yeah, and so he heard this word, go conquer in this name, to which we would say, amen. What he took that to mean was, Saul Invictus, the sun god, is in fact Jesus, and I should conquer the world in this name. I should take over the eastern half of Rome, 
slaughter and enslave them in the name of Jesus. And so uh, this is what he did. And so in the Battle of Milvage Bridge at 312 AD, he saw this and he said, I'm now a Christian. I'm, and he put this Alpha Row on his, or Cairo on all his soldiers' shields. He took over the eastern half of the kingdom, enslaved them all, and he made himself the only Roman emperor. Yeah, so that's, that, that's, that's, um, that's what happened. Now, I want to reiterate what I'd said a couple weeks ago. The real test of salvation is the fruit of the Spirit. Can you say amen? The real test of salvation is the fruit of the Spirit. I don't care what you call yourself. I don't care what other people call you. Uh, as you grow in Christianity, you're going to notice there's lots of Christian groups that use the same words we use that don't mean the same thing. Amen. Uh, the, you know, there's cults that use the same language that we use. There are non-Christian sects that use the same uh, words. And just because you're saying the same thing doesn't mean you're saying the same thing. Amen. If you've ever been married and had a disagreement, you know what I'm talking about here. You can be saying the same words, but the person is hearing something very different, right? Yeah. Is anybody here married? Yes. Like, you ever argue for like 20 minutes and then you're like, but I'm saying this. And they're saying, no, I'm saying, that's, ex that's what I'm saying. You're like, you are? Yes. Oh, okay. I guess to take back all that stuff I just said. Because <laughs> I feel like, you know, right? So you can say the same thing, but mean very different things. So there's lots of, uh, there's lots of groups that call themselves Christians or Talk about the Spirit and talk about Jesus. I mean, Jehovah Witnesses talk about Jesus. They don't believe he was actually a man, though. He was just a spirit. And they talk about eternity, but they don't mean eternity. They just believe that those many people will just kind of cease to have ever existed. And th there's just a lot of different stuff out there. And people aren't saying the same thing. And I don't say that to make you fearful. I say that to say just because you think someone's on your team doesn't mean they're on your team. Amen. Amen. Just because someone says they're your friend doesn't mean they're not gossiping about you. Amen. We need to make sure that we're talking about the same thing when we talk about friendship, right? Before we give our heart to someone, we don't know that love means the same thing to everybody, and we got to make sure we know what people are talking about before we say, I love you. Like, what does that mean, I love you? Well, that means I think it's okay for us to start having sex. No, that is not what I mean when I say I love you. That means a covenant relationship. We're going to wait till we're married to consummate it because you believe this for eternity, right? There's different, different words mean different things to different people. we got to define these words together, right? Yeah. Amen. 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 Now, the good part of Constantine becoming a Christian, he made it legal to be a Christian in Rome, finally, so it was not an illegal religion. And that sounds amazing uh, until you recognize that here's a guy who likes to take over kingdoms and calls himself a Christian. Therefore, it's not like he's going to be under somebody in Christianity. And now we know that can be a problem, right? So eventually, he took over the church and started setting doctrine for the church. Now, I want you to love me at the end of today, and I may some, say some things that are offensive, uh, but I'm not intending to offend anybody. And I may say some things that may cause confusion, but it's not my goal to confuse anybody. I don't believe we need to be doing anything different, uh, but you're going to find out sometimes what you thought was the truth is not always the truth. Is that okay? Yeah. You might find things about your parents when you get older, and they're like, oh, no, no. Like, my mom told me one day that our black lab wasn't actually sent away to a farm where he could run free. I didn't find that out until I was an adult, and I was like, ooh, Grover. Whoa, <laughs> poor Grover. What, what, what did they do to him? What have they done to you? Uh, so that, that's what happens sometimes when, you, when we grow up. Now, you know, all the days of our weeks, 
in the Roman calendar, which is what we use Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, right? They're all named after gods. They're all named after pagan gods, right? Uh, Monday uh, was the moon day. It was under the god of the moon. Wooden's day is really where Wednesday comes from. Thursday is Thor's day. I mean, you knew this, right? Uh, all these names are named after someone. And Sunday was named after Sol Invictus, the sun god, the unconquered sun god. And so when Constantine uh, took over the church uh, and he started running things, uh, he made some changes, right? So uh, he moved worship for Christians from Saturday, the Sabbath, to Sol Invictus Day, Sunday. And that's why we now worship on Sunday, because the guy who had worshipped the sun god his whole life decided that we would worship on the Sunday's day. He ended Passover celebrations. He said he made it illegal to worship the Passover because he thought the Jews were terrible they need to be wiped out and their celebrations. And he decided that Christians, instead of worshiping on Passover, he moved it to the pagan day of Easter. Right? And that's why the resurrection day is a really big deal, even though we don't know when that was. Right? <laughs> that's, uh, anyway, um, exactly. So uh, we know according to the Jewish calendar, of course, when it was, because that is still intact. Now, we're like, wow, we've all been living a lie. No, no, this is super, super important that you get this. Uh, we're not having demons flood into here because we're worshiping on Sunday. The truth is the day of the week makes no difference to God. Yeah. Yeah. Not for nothing. It doesn't matter what you call them. They all belong to him. Yeah. You could call the earth square. He still made it round, right? You could call the sun not a God. He's still God. Right? So what man puts on things is not nearly as important as what God says about them. So we could be worshiping on Wednesday, Tuesday, Friday. You could say it's because the moon is full or the moon is not full. Doesn't really matter. Jesus Christ is Lord. He deserves to be worshiped any day you want to. Amen? That's the important part here. <clears throat> now, cults will tell you, cults will tell you that, you know, oh, you worship on that day or you do this or you celebrate a birthday. That's good. That's whatever, whatever, whatever. Like, if you run down that road, there's nothing holy. There's none that are holy, not one. But I don't worship because I'm holy or the day is holy. I worship because Jesus is holy. Right? So it's super important you keep that in mind while we talk about this. So he took so over the church that Christians started appealing to him to settle doctrinal issues. There was, the, um, there was this dangerous intermixing of church and state. And in 325, uh, he had the Council of Nicaea come together, the, the, the Donatists, and the Arians were having these controversies. And he got together a, uh, what's called the uh, Nicene uh, Council. The Council of Nicaea, you may have heard of it in 325. And they came out with the Nicene Creed. If you come from a liturgical background, you may have heard of that. Now, if you see here, we got all these bishops there in the background. And um, he invited all the heads of many of the major pagan religions to be part of the Council of Nicaea. And they got together to talk about doctrine. And if you look here at the front, sitting on a crown is Constantine overseeing this religious meeting, uh, you know, mere years after his conversion. He's now over the church determining doctrine. And, uh, and so at this point, the takeover of the church was complete, right? They call him a Christian. Uh, he made it legal. So, hey, thank you. Thank you for not saying it's cool to murder Christians. Not so good that you're now making doctrinal decisions, right? Can we say mixed mixed? Mixed inheritance here. And so at this point, the takeover was complete. And, you know, Jesus said in Matthew 16:26, he said, what, what benefit, what will it profit a man if you gain the whole world and lose 
your soul. And, and what this tells me is, you know, here this guy was looking to, like, he had it in him to take over stuff, to build stuff. And I believe the Lord gave him a sovereign call. You think you want to take over nations in the name of violence, but I have called you to take over in the name of Jesus. Spread his message of love and acceptance and spread the gospel that there are no partiality between people in the eyes of Christ. And instead, he just missed it because of a lack of accountability. Because he didn't allow anybody to speak into his life. He just plain missed it. Can you say amen? He just missed it. And so... You know, we want the church to model something different than the world. Here's a saying uh, that I have heard. It says, you know, Jesus may live in your heart, but grandpa still lives in your bones. Meaning you, you can say, I follow Jesus because of who you gave your heart to. But what you do with your life probably, unless you've rooted it out, comes from what you thought of before you ever met him. And we have to actively work. We have to actively Set our mind and our eyes on Christ so we can be transformed to his likeness. This is, this is what we need to do. You can't just passively become a Christ follower. You don't just by osmosis. It just gets soaked into you and you just start changing your habits. Anybody, anybody know what I'm talking about? Why do I keep doing this? Because you've not learned to do something different, right? And we have to purposefully in our heart decide I'm going to be different. Otherwise, you start yelling at your kids sounding like your mom yelling at you, right? That's, that's what happens. And you start saying, wow, I sound like my parents now, right? Like, like and for my kids, that'll be an awesome thing, right? Your kids too, probably. But, but for us, not so no, great, right? Uh, and so we, 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 have to, um, we have to look at the word here. This is not new. This, isn't just, this didn't just happen in the time of, of Constantine, it happened in the time of Jesus, and it's happening in our time. And if we're not careful, we're going to repeat what happened there, right? And we, don't, we, we, we have a mixed legacy, but we don't have to leave one. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, let's, let's turn there. We're going to start in verse 10, probably going to go to about 12 or 13. He says, um, now I exhort you, this is Paul writing to the church in Corinth that are apparently having some... <clears throat> having some issues. I'm going to read this out of the, out of the NASB here. First uh, Corinthians, right after Romans. I know where this is in the Bible, I promise you. It's right, right here. <clears throat> uh, now I exhort you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all agree. Can you imagine telling the church that today? Amen. That you all agree and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be made complete in the same mind and in the same judgment. For I have been informed concerning you, my brothers, by Chloe's people, that there are quarrels among you. Now I mean this, that each of you is saying, I'm of Paul, I'm of Apollos, and I of Cephas, and I of Christ. Has Christ been divided? Now, <clears throat> When we start to like unpack the word of God, we start seeing what Paul is talking about here. It's super important to, to recognize how Paul used these names. Let's take a look here real quick. He says in verse 12, he says, now I mean this, I, each one of you is saying, I'm of Paul. Then he says, I'm of Apollos, right? Apollos was Alexandrian, right? So he was, he was an Egyptian Jew, right? So 
being an Alexandrian, an Egyptian Jew. And then he says, and I of Cephas. Cephas is the Aramaic pronunciation of Peter's name. Remember that? That was Peter's Aramaic name. And these people were probably, his church was Palestinians. So now we have, we have Egyptian Jews in one church. We have Palestinian believers in another, right? And then he says, and he says, and, and I'm of Paul was the first one. And Paul, of course, was writing, you know, he's in this Corinthian church, uh, the Romans, he spoke Latin, and, and, and they loved being Roman citizens. Citizenship, nationalism was a huge deal to them. Uh, and the, Roman, the Romans had an issue being Christians in that they thought of themselves as Romans first. And you see, time and again, Paul is coming against their nationalism as it being more important than their Christianity. So he's like, listen, you are exalting your ethnicity over your citizenship in Christ. And it's causing such problems in the church that we still have a writing about it today. Pretty big deal. This is not some trivial matter. And, and here, here's, the, here's, here's the challenge. Is, oh, I'm going to get you out of here in just a few minutes, I promise. Here's the challenge that we have. Jesus Christ told us that we're supposed to love. Amen. Put it up. If anything keeps you from loving people, it's sin. Whatever doctrine, whatever statement, whatever political belief, whatever music, whatever news, whatever keeps you from loving people, it is sin. And we'll say, well, I love them. I just want to. Well, if you love people, then people will not be able to tell who you love and who you don't love. That's the test of love. Do you love them? Can I tell the difference between who you love and you don't love? If I can tell the difference, you don't love them. That's, that's, that's it right there. How do you talk about them? How do you speak about them? How do you fellowship with them? How do you embrace them? How do you try to learn their culture? If it doesn't look like love, it's sin. And, and then and Paul's saying, you, we can't do that. We have divided Christ. You've divided Christ. Now, this isn't some hyperbole that Paul's using because we read in Hebrews about how Christians were literally cut in pieces and divided. This isn't, again, hyperbole. He's like, you, you hate them for killing Christians, but you are doing the same thing to the body of our Savior. To say that Jesus Christ is Lord in the Roman kingdom, you could call yourself Christian. But you say that Jesus is Lord, you're saying everyone else is not. To say Jesus is Lord is to say everything else is not. Trump is not. Biden is not. Capitalism is not. Consumerism is not. Socialism is not. Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus Christ. We are not. I am not Lord. To say that I am not Lord and Jesus is, is to 
Confess in humility, I am not perfect. And when you say Jesus Christ is Lord, you are saying that people I disagree with, it's possible they see things more clearly than I do because I do not see everything clearly. That's why I'm not Lord. And there has to be this openness, this humility, this this ability to see ourselves through the eyes of the perfect one to say that I do not get everything perfectly, therefore I am not allowed to judge. I have to be humble enough to say, man, maybe there's a perspective I don't know. I can't judge the Palestinian believers because I am a Roman believer because I don't know everything they know and they're my brother in Christ. And to hate them is to murder Jesus because he is Lord. Look, there is no New Testament example of Jesus ever sending a person to rule in his name. There's no New Testament example of anyone running a civil government in the name of Jesus, ever. And when we see Constantine being the one God sent, when we start putting messianic language on humans in our day, I start to get uncomfortable. It's never worked out well for the church. If you're looking for a savior in the election this week, you have come up short of the glory of God. Good news, good news, the altar of God is open. And we can lay it down and come to Jesus and say, I have settled for a lesser God. I'm no longer going to be a polytheist. I'm no longer going to have gods of every day of the week. I worship the Lord Jesus Christ and Him alone. Him alone. Come on. Listen, if a person fits neatly in a political party, they don't fit neatly in the party of Jesus Christ. If you fit perfectly in a political party, you are outside of the party of Jesus. They, you cannot fit in the kingdom and find yourself perfectly fitting in a party of today. If you feel fully at home in the Democratic Party, I'd say look to Jesus. If you feel fully at home in the Republican Party, i say look to Jesus. If you think the Green Party is the savior of our day, good God, you need to look to Jesus. We already tried this worship the earth thing. It didn't work. It doesn't work. Take care of it. That's our job. We cannot worship creation or any created thing. The political spirit wants a loyalty that is only reserved for Jesus. They will not allow you to disagree with them. They will not allow you to disagree with them. Do you like Biden? If you do, I mean, I don't, you know, I don't care who you vote for, but um, I do, of course. But, I, I, you know, that's, that has nothing to do with me, you and Jesus. But if you are in the midst of Biden supporters and you're like, you know, I really like him, but he does seem kind of old as Moses, right? Like, I'm not sure. Right? Sometimes I'm like, is, is, is he awake? Like, I'm like, oh, you're just thinking? Because I do that sometimes, right? I'm just thinking. And if you say that, they're like, yeah, but Trump or like, no, no, I'm just talking about this person. He's not perfect. I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm saying, are you, am I allowed to say that or do I have to kneel at the altar of the Democratic Party, right? If you say, well, you know, Trump, you know, I like his, his policies, but, you know, some kind of wacky things are coming out of his mouth, you know, like the conspiracy theories, like, do you think he really believes in this? And if not, why is he saying it? And like, oh, do you know about the pedophile ring in the pizza place? I'm like, whoa, what do we? I'm sorry, what? What? I'm like, can, are we? No, they require a loyalty that is reserved for Jesus. And in the time of Rome, they had to make the decision, Rome or Jesus? Rome or Jesus? And Constantine came in and said, no, nah, you can just worship both. 
And yeah, as long as you give up Jesus. You can, you, can, you can do both as long as you give up Jesus. But Jesus is not in the midst of government worship, I'll tell you that much. Can you hear me? Church is not supposed to be found in the left, the right, hear me, or the middle. There is not some continuum and Jesus is somewhere in the midst of it. He's on levels we don't even know about. He's not like, well, Jesus is somewhere between the Democrats and the Republicans. Now, Jesus is working on a level neither of them understand. Right? He is unique. He is separate. He is his own entity. The church is supposed to be a species of its own kind. Different from the left. Different from the right. Different from the middle. We do not fit in with those who do not follow Christ on earth. Get used to it. It's called being a Christian. We're allowed to have an independent mind that follows only Jesus. I'm going to finish with this because I've already gone over. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, here at the end of the chapter, Paul writes this. Hey, he says, just as it's written, let him who boasts, you want, you want to brag on someone? You want to be affiliated with someone? You want to say, no, 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 this is the winning team? Let him, let him boast in the Lord. Let him boast in the Lord. Let him boast in the Lord. You want to brag in something? You want to be on the right team? You want to put someone down? You can put down the devil. Put your faith in Jesus. Amen. Put your faith in Jesus. Guess what? Eight years from now, Whoever wins this election won't be president. They'll be gone. You look at heaven, he'll still be on the throne. Right? You might as well stick with the long-term winning team. So what do I say about this election? I say none of the above. None of the above. I'm not worshiping any of y'all. I refuse. I, 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 I will vote. Well, actually, I already voted. But my faith is not in any of them. Right? I, like I, I, you know, there's things I want, and I vote, and I do that, and you should or don't, because it's your right as an American, watch this, not to vote. You don't got to do nothing but pay taxes and die, right? Isn't that what we say? <laughs> That's all you really have to do, right? Who are you supporting, Pastor? I don't support none of them. I'll vote for one. Not because I think, you know, they're all bad or, you know, none of them are good. I don't believe that at all. I think there's lots of good-hearted people who run for office. But my faith, Jesus... I gave that. I, I voted a long time ago for that. I gave him my only ballot that I have. It's called the life of Carl, and I never took it back. I never said, yeah, I think I want that vote again. Let me, let me, let me, let me, re, let me research that one. I'm not sure I did the right vote. No, no, I done. I gave him the pencil, gave him the voting booth, gave him my voter registration card. It's called my will. I gave it to you. I'm done. I've, I've already cast mine in. My vote is decided. I'm following Jesus. And I would encourage you today, become a devoted follower of Jesus Christ. Stand with me if you will. I'm about to say something offensive. I'm going to be very honest right now. <clears throat> a lot of people are supporting the election, are very interested in this election. And I see people following people and promoting people. I see people flying the flag of a, of a, a living man, have never brought their neighbors to church. And I say, who do you worship really? If you'll campaign for someone and it ain't Jesus, who are you really worshiping? Who are you worshiping? I see where your energy's going to. I see where your passion's lying. You in church can't even lift your hands during worship. Put 14 flags on your car for a man. Get all worked up over an election. Ain't even excited about your election. What's up? Tell me who you worship. Do you know you've been elected by God to heaven? I mean, come on. Come on. We got to look at our lives and say, what? where are my passions right now? Who have I given my devotion to? Have I given it to a hobby? Have I given it to a politician? Have I given my love to someone who don't deserve it? Maybe you've surrendered your relationship with Jesus for a person. 
put that on hold and get it right. Come on, there's room at the cross. And so here's what we're going to do. We're going to receive communion at the end of service today. Because there's one body. And if you're offended, you can't take this. The Scriptures tell us very clearly in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, if you take this and don't recognize the body, you're bringing a curse upon yourself. Now, I'm not cursing anybody. I'm telling you how to get free. What we're going to do is we're going to repent, we're going to be humble, and we're going to receive the Lord's table because there's one Christ and He's not divided. Amen. All over, if you're online, you're joining us this morning, we love you. I hope I've given you an equal opportunity to be offended as the people here in person. It's not church if you're not being challenged to grow. Amen? I've leaned into this election season. I've had to really see in my heart, what's important to you, Carl? What do you want to put your name on? And I've decided Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can you um, put on music without words, if you don't mind? Hallelujah. 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 Father, we just love you. We, <laughs> we give our lives to you this morning, Jesus. We give our lives to you this morning, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Wow. Father, we just love you. It says in your word on the night that your son Jesus was betrayed. He took the bread and he took the cup and he washed the feet of Peter and he dined with his disciples. He said, you don't get this now, but one day you will. And we say, we get it. You want us to serve. You want us to love. Apparently you want these kids back here to have a good time. Father, I pray they all get hyped up on candy. Hallelujah. But you did. You broke the bread and it was a sign of your body which was soon to be broken. Ha. Broken for us though. Broken. So that it would come together more beautiful than ever. It says as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. Receive the body of the Lord. Then he took the cup. Hallelujah. Then he took the cup. Shabbat. He said, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. Lord, it was spilled for us that we can be one. We're given to our own devices. We, I mean, you can't have four adult friends. It's a miracle when an adult has five. But we have millions all over the world. Through the blood of your son, Jesus. I thank you. I thank you that you've given me this new capacity to love people that I disagree with. And today we receive the bread and now we receive the cup in your name as one church, undivided. Receive the cup of the new covenant. Father, we just do, wow, we love you. We love you. We love you. We love you. Make us be one as you and your son are one. Amen. Thank you. Amen. 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 Amen.